We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association ND. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome into the Rotowire Daily Fantasy Podcast brought to you by FanDuel.com. FanDuel, of course, is the leader in one-week fantasy football. It is Friday, September 18th. I'm Nick Whalen. Joining me today is Rotowire's own Chris Benzine. Chris is kind of a jack of all trades for Rotowire, has his hand in a lot of our football and baseball content, and that is exactly what we'll be talking about today. Um, a lot of baseball action on the slate this weekend 15 games Friday, 15 Saturday, 15 Sunday, as usual. Obviously, a lot going on in college football and the NFL as well. So, we'll talk about some pitchers that Chris likes this weekend in daily contests, uh, some lineups to stack, and then some hitters to keep an eye on as well. And then we'll talk a little bit about week two in the NFL as we move closer to that. Um, so, Chris, how's it going? Thanks for joining me. Not going bad, Nick. It's uh, Friday. I'm not. Not complaining at all about that, and uh, we got the Badger game on Saturday. I'm ready. I'm probably going to hang around with some friends. You got any plans for that? I do. Pretty much doing the same thing. A couple friends from high school uh, that still live you know, somewhat in the area, more, more towards Green Bay, are coming down for the game. They're actually going to go to the game. I did not really want to go because, as you know, uh, the Troy Trojans are in, are in town this weekend in Madison, and I think that might be a game that, that might be over pretty quickly. So... Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely looking forward to it. Definitely a game to watch, but I'm almost more interested in some of the other games on the slate. You know, as much as I want to watch Wisconsin as a Wisconsin guy, I mean, you got Georgia Tech at Notre Dame at 2.30, and that's the same time as the Wisconsin game, um, and then Auburn and LSU. So arguably the two biggest games of the day kind of going up against that that Wisconsin game at 2.30. And then, of course, Ole Miss and Alabama, the marquee game at night. So that's the best part about college football is, as much as I love week one and week two, where you, you know, we're finally getting back into it, you just don't get that many great matchups. You know, last week we had Oregon, Michigan State, but other than that, it was a pretty eh slate. You know, week one was Wisconsin, Alabama, and you know, you and I both know how that turned out. But yeah, I mean, now as we we start finally getting to sort things out, you start getting a lot of more, lot more ranked matchups. So, I mean, before we get into baseball, I mean, which which of these big college football games are you most looking forward to? Well, I I really kind of like Georgia Tech, Notre Dame. I mean, I guess. It'll be interesting to see Notre Dame now that Malik Zaire's down for, the, I believe, the season. And uh, I just like um, Georgia Tech's like triple option. Just watching that is 
interesting. Not many teams. There, I don't think there's many other teams at all. I don't think anyone does. I mean, it does, really. I feel like does, it, does Army run it still, or they run yeah. something kind of like that? Don't yeah, they? Yeah, maybe they do. I mean, there's there's like maybe a team or two, or maybe, maybe Air Force, yeah. or one of those teams. She's like, yeah, pretty much the military academy. Isn't that where Paul Johnson wasn't he at Navy before Georgia Tech? I believe he was. He might have been. Yeah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm not 100 percent sure on that, but yeah, that's. I mean, it's just kind of cool that. Mm-hmm. Just not many teams, especially in power conferences. You don't see that in, in like, and they're successful with it right. too. They're a I ranked know. team, which isn't very exactly, common. and it's odd too because you know Georgia Tech doesn't recruit overly well, but that system, you know, they find the right guys, they plug them in, and it's impressive that they get guys to buy into it. You know, like not not many star high school quarterbacks are gonna you know be sold on throwing twelve passes a game, but yeah, a lot to look forward to there. I'm I'm most excited, I think, for that Notre Dame game as well, just to see how they do perform without Zaire for a full game. Um, and then Ole Miss, Alabama, of course, will be a great nightcap. So let's get into the baseball slate, um, You know, taking it from a, a DFS FanDuel perspective. Like I said, 15 games on Friday. 14 of those are night games. I think the Cubs and the Cardinals um, probably should be starting right about now as we record Friday afternoon. Uh, the rest of the games at night. Saturday, 15 games again. Five of those are day games, then a larger night slate with 10 uh, games that start, I believe, at like 5 o'clock or later, and no late-night games on Saturday. And then Sunday, the typical uh, full slate, every team is playing. 14 of those are day games, and then the one marquee ESPN night game. And I think that's New York, uh, the New York Mets versus the New York Yankees. So a lot a lot in play here in the, in the, uh, the weekend baseball slate. We'll start with some pitchers that you like, uh, and we'll start with, with today, Friday. Um, so if you're going to spend a little bit more for a pitcher, um, you know, kind of go with the top-tier guys, who would that be looking at Friday's matchups? Yeah, I looked at some of the matchups on Fridays, and the biggest one that popped out to me was Zach Granke against the Pirates. Um, in He's had five or more strikeouts and has gone six-plus innings in each of his last nine starts. Uh, last, his last start came in the hitter-friendly confines at Chase Field in Arizona, and that's generally the Diamondbacks have had a pretty decent offense this year, and he went eight innings with eight strikeouts and didn't allow a single run. Uh, he's returning home this for this start, he's facing a Pirates team in in Dodger Stadium, which is generally viewed as a pitcher-friendly ballpark. Um, at home, the Pirates only strike out 19.7%, which is a is about average for the league. But that increases to 22% on the road, which is a top 10 in strikeout rate in the whole league. Um, they also they've been a good offensive team this season, but they just lost Jung Ho Gong um, on Thursday and he's going to be out for the season. He's out six to eight months. He had a major knee injury last night from a couple guys in a row sliding into him. And yeah, I did. I actually haven't seen the highlight on that yet. I just obviously saw the news on Gong, but so he took like basically a cleat to the, to the lower leg and it like fractured his bone yeah, and towards MCL. He just, it was a, it was nasty. It Ugh. didn't, it didn't look, it didn't look, like extremely terrible but it it definitely you could see that he was probably done for the season by the way he had to be helped off the field uh it's definitely a big loss for their team he hit 287 this season with 15 home runs he wasn't like i think he said himself that get, getting like 10 home runs this season would have been nice getting hitting like 250 260 he would have been proud of and he actually way outperformed what i mean he coming in from south korea i believe he was over, over overseas and he's uh He's really been a big contributor in their offense, and I think that could be a big loss for them. That And with him gone, it's probably going to be a combination of Pedro Alvarez, Jordy Mercer, and Aramis Ramirez in there in everyday lineup now. Um, there might be some Josh Harrison mis- mixed in there as well. And Alvarez in particular, if he's in there every day, he's a, he's a guy that has a lot of power, but he's also a guy that strikes out a lot. And I, I, if he's in that lineup Friday, it's an, another guy you could see Granky 
getting a, a few strikeouts on there. Um, I could also see that loss, you know, affecting their confidence as a team going in. I mean, they might try to, like, draw some inspiration from it, but I could also see them, you know, like, you go in there, you lose a big guy in any sport. If you lose one of your, your key players, it's it's going to be a tough, a little tougher to get keep going later in the season. He's um, he's also facing one of the weaker pitchers for the the Pirates, Jeff Locke. He's he's nowhere near as good as some of their top rotation guys like Garrett Cole and um, Francisco Liriano. Those two are a lot better than than Cole. So there's a, a very good chance for a win there. And there there are just a lot of factors that are in his favor. And I could I could see a really good outing for him him on Friday. All right, and looking for you know we just talked about a pitcher. If you want to pay up for a guy like Zach Greinke, what if you want to you know spend more money on your lineup and you know try to find a value play at, at the pitcher spot? I know Drew Smiley is a guy who you like against the Orioles. Yeah, Drew Smiley has had uh, he's had double digit strikeouts in two of his last three starts, and he's had 17 points without a win and 21 points without a win in those or with a win in in those two starts. Um, the Orioles have been pretty good in the last week. They had 41 runs in seven games coming into Friday, but and you'd think you'd want to avoid them because of that, but most of those games are at home where they play a lot better. They're 21st in WOBA and weight runs created plus. Those are two pretty good indicators of uh, how actually, how good they are offensively, and they're actually 21st ranked on the road, which is a lot. Which is a big difference in split between their home and road splits. There, um, they're also very poor against lefties. They're they're at 85 weighted runs created plus, which is 100 being the league average. So they're like 15 below average there, and they're well, but they both rank is, is 298. They both rank about 24th in the league, which is a bottom 10 for both of those. Not not a favorable thing, favorable matchup there. They also faced um, his teammate Matt Moore, who had who had been really poor. He pitched Thursday against them, and he had been really poor in his previous outing. He gave up six runs, four home runs, and but he actually went seven shutout innings last night. And he just gave up two hits, no walks, and nine strikeouts. Unfortunately, he ended up losing the win. The Orioles ended up winning that game because of the the bullpen blew it. But he Matt, it wasn't because of Matt Moore. He was uh, I had him actually in my one of my fantasy my daily lineups, and he was only owned by one percent. So I think part of that's due to the perception, but also because of Matt Moore. And I could see that um, I could see that that. Uh, being somewhat the case again with Smiley on Friday, he probably will be owned more because he's been better than Matt Moore. But he's a cheap option at seventy seven hundred compared to some of the big boys. There's there's six of six pitchers at uh, ten thousand or more this this uh, t- tonight, and uh, I could see him getting you know another double digit strikeout performance. He's in a pitcher park at Tropicana Field there in Tampa. That's it, it's a lot different than uh, Camden Yards in Baltimore for the Orioles. Um, he doesn't have a guaranteed win. He's facing a pretty decent young pitcher in Tyler Wilson, but and they do have some run support issues. But as I said earlier, he did uh, he did get 17 points in the game despite not getting the win. And if he gets that win, it's an added bonus of four points, and there's still a good chance for it, even though uh, some of the I mean, he doesn't have a ton of run support necessarily. And the young pitcher Tyler Wilson is is pretty good too. But overall, I think he could he could he should put up a good point total again Friday. All right, flipping this on his head now, we'll take a look at some of the lineups that you want to stack in your FanDuel lineups as you're setting them on Friday. Um, so one of the pitchers I know you're, you're looking to target on Friday is Ian Kennedy. He was shelled uh, in his last outing against the Giants. Seven earned runs on seven hits, three walks, just two strikeouts. Um, I mean, is he a guy that you're really not expecting much of a bounce back from? Yeah, no, he's uh, definitely struggled with some home run 
he's had some home run issues this year. And uh, Colorado is definitely one of probably the worst environment for pitcher if that they they have struggles with that. I mean that that thin air there definitely um, definitely affects home runs. There's that has the highest home run rate I believe of any ballpark in baseball. Uh, the Rockies are generally bad on the road, but because of that that uh, ballpark there in Colorado, they're they're actually really good at home. And they actually faced Ian Kennedy on September seventh, and that was at Petco Park, which is generally viewed as a uh, pitcher's ballpark there. And he still allowed six runs, four earned, and seven hits and one walk in five innings. He only went five innings in that game. And uh, the Padres bullpen isn't like spectacular or anything. So if if they can get to, they can easily get to Kennedy early in that game. He has some home run issues. I don't see anybody like there isn't. He doesn't have tremendous splits on either side. There's not like some one that sticks out necessarily that you want to go for side of the plate. But he's just in general a a guy that probably a lot of those hitters can get to. I think um, he relies on strikeouts, but. The in like I said in Colorado the uh, the the thin air there definitely affects the break of the ball somewhat so it may, his knuckle curve is I believe his signature pitch and it may not have as much break and some of his pitches may not have his break as much break in Colorado so that could affect could limit his strikeouts and I could definitely see them getting them in uh, Colorado Friday. Yeah, another pitcher I know you want to target is Giovanni Gallardo, and he, you know, kind of a mirror image of Kennedy, a guy who's who struggled a little bit with home runs. Last time out, allowed two bombs, two walks, just three strikeouts with five earned uh, over just 4.1 innings. So a guy who really doesn't go deep into games, um, you know, obviously not somebody you want to target as a pitcher on your own team. I, I mean, it looks like he hasn't gone further than six innings since back in July. So, excuse me, June. Um, so yeah, I mean, I mean, tell me about Gallardo, I guess, and what you want to target with him um, as he goes up against the Mariners. Yeah, I mean, he's uh, he hasn't struck out more than three in eight of his last ten starts, and he's really struggled recently. Like you said, he hasn't made it through six innings in either any of his last four starts. He's allowed also allowed seven or more base runners in each of those in in the last three outings. Um, the Mariners have been one of the better teams on the road offensively this season. And that ballpark there is another uh, hitter-friendly one, Globe Life Ball, uh, Globe Life Park there. Um, the lefties hit them much better than righties this season, and the Mariners definitely stack left-handers very often. They have a bunch of lefties that they can put in their lineup, and you can target guys like Robinson Cano, Seth Smith, Kyle Seeger, Brad Brad Miller, Cattell Marte. Those guys are all left-handed, and then Nelson Cruz is always is just a good hitter regardless of where he is, and. Being in, I mean, Seattle's one of the possibly the most pitcher-friendly ballpark in baseball, and he's still hits. I think he's he's definitely over thirty home runs this year already, and um, and now he's going to be in uh, at at Texas in in uh, Arlington there, and that's a much better hitters ballpark, and I could definitely see them with yeah, Bonnie Gardo's like high contact rate doesn't get a lot of swing strikes, and uh, I could see them putting it on him again on Friday, getting putting up a big run total. Right. Like you said, Cruz is already up to 42 home runs on the year, coming up on 90 RBIs, and 16 of those home runs did come at Safeco Field. So pretty impressive considering the dimensions there. Obviously, the other 26 coming on the road, so he's been a little bit more productive uh, away from Safeco. Let's move to Saturday uh, real quickly. Do you want to tell me about a pitcher that you're targeting looking at Saturday's slate on FanDuel? Yeah, I was just looking a little bit at the slate there. I didn't get too much into it, but what I saw, is I liked Carlos Carrasco. He's facing the White Sox, and they've been decent in September, but they aren't as good on the road. Um, he just in general gets a lot of strikeouts, and and that uh, he had nine in his last start against a good Royals offense, 
And I'm not convinced necessarily by the White Sox recent success. I I don't see many bats to be scared of in that lineup. So I don't think that they're it, they're just as good as they've had uh, the recent success. They're not as good when you look at it. Um, I could see another big day from Carrasco because the the White Sox have a decent strikeout rate there, and Carrasco is one of the better strikeout pitchers in the league. Uh, while progressive field is generally viewed as a, a hitter's ballpark. Carrasco doesn't allow many home runs, so it shouldn't affect him much there. The White Sox also don't have a ton of power bats in that lineup. I mean, they, uh, outside of Jose Abreu, there's not a ton of guys that have a lot of power, so I don't see that being much of an issue. Um, and generally, Carrasco, I mean, he's he's had a lot of double-digit strikeout games and high strikeout totals, and I just could see that again coming on Saturday against the White Sox. All right, the final guy we'll touch on for the weekend's baseball slate before we move into some fantasy football week two talk. Julio Tehran goes up against the Phillies, and I know he's a guy that you really like, uh, you know, taking a look at Sunday's slate. Yeah, looking at Sunday, I saw um, the Phillies in general, just they had a heavy contact lineup early in the season, and recently they've moved away from that. They've added some guys in the lineup and changed the lineup from September, getting call-ups and different, different, getting different guys into that order. That uh, their strikeout rate is risen to uh 25 percent in the last month which is probably near the tops in the league i didn't exactly look but i'm pretty sure it's near the tops in the league for that time span um Tehran, uh also struck out seven blue jays and that's probably the best lineup in baseball and he struck out seven of them last time out and he went he did a, had a really nice outing there i could see that again he's allowed three or less in seven of his last eight starts and that that series i mean I just don't see anything really. The Phillies don't have much offensively going, and I don't see any reason. That game's in Atlanta. That's another pitcher ballpark there. I don't see any. There's not a ton of big bats in that Phillies lineup, and I could see another big outing from Tehran on Sunday. I think it's definitely fair to say that the the Phillies lineup is not stocked with with big bats at this point. Um, All right, so let's move into some football talk in a little bit here. But before we do that, we should probably talk about FanDuel.com. FanDuel is the leader in one-week fantasy football with more winners and more payouts than any other daily site. The money is real. They're paying out over $75 million a week this NFL season. Building a team is easy. Just pick your players, stay under the salary cap, sit back on Sunday and watch your team win. Entry fees start at just $1 so anyone can play. If you go to FanDuel.com and click on the microphone icon in the upper right-hand corner, you can use the promo code RWDFS and sign up now. This is a special offer for new users only. For every dollar you deposit, FanDuel will match it up to $200. So that gets you you know, pretty much double your money, as you've probably seen on all the, the TV commercials that have been rampant uh, since the NFL season started. Again, though, the offer is only good for the first 50 people that use our podcast promo code RWDFS today. Don't forget to use that code. Again, RWDFS. FanDuel.com, where every day is a new season. That's F-A-N-D-U-E-L.com. Sign up today. All right, did you play on FanDuel on week one of the NFL season, Chris? Yeah, I did. I, we had the uh, Rotowire staff competition. Oh, I, that's right. Yeah, I was, uh, I was part of that. Um, unfortunately, I wasn't as keen on the fact that uh, Caleb Sturgis was cut by the Miami Dolphins. And uh, <laughs> Was that the difference maker? <laughs> Uh, it probably had an effect. I mean, I, I'm not going to win had the kicker, but kickers can put up big points on FanDuel. That's one thing. That's, well, that's the thing. The difference between DraftKings and FanDuel, obviously, yeah. is the kicker comes in on FanDuel. Yeah, and uh, kickers, I believe Brandon McMahon has put up a ton of points this week, and he was probably, I think he was about minimum price, too. I probably could have gone with him, and 
probably could have affected it somewhat, but I wasn't going to win regardless. But uh, at least having Julio Jones helped me like finish a little closer to mid pack rather than uh, bottom. Yeah, I was I was definitely glad to have Julio in a couple of leagues, and I had Matt Ryan in, in a league with Jones. So obviously, you kind of kind of double up in it, depending on how you look at it there. Um, so one game down after Thursday night, I'm hesitant to call it a thriller just because of like how poorly of a game it was, especially offensively. But for the second week in a row, a lot of defensive action for Denver. Um, Kansas City had an interception as well, but you know the big story is Jamal Charles fumbling with with you know less than a minute remaining and allowing Denver to return that for what was. At that point, the game-winning score, um, I'm not too happy about the result of this. I mean, we won't talk too much about that, but in my, in my confidence pool, I had 13 on Kansas City, which was far and away the most of anyone in the pool. So I was you know, midway through the second quarter when they're up 14-0. I thought I was going to you know, get right back into the thick of things after a, a so-so week one, and I could not have been more wrong. I mean, two fumbles lost for Jamal Charles. Two picks for Alex Smith, both one of them very costly. Well, both of them very costly, I guess. You know, just a tough, tough game all around. If if you wanted uh, Kansas City to win, and obviously not a big fantasy effort from from Jeremy Macklin, you know, a guy who a lot of people had uh, in their lineups. Charles was able to salvage a pretty solid game, though. I think uh, he was cl- up close to to uh, twenty fantasy points in PPR leagues with standard scoring, uh, but obviously those two fumbles not helping at all there. Um, did you have any of these guys going in, in daily or season-long lineups? Uh, n- I didn't have them in daily, but uh, in our Rotowire staff league there, I uh, I did have Jamal Charles, and that last fumble did not work out. And I actually I had started put Alex Smith in earlier in the week and forgot about it, and that uh, did. I wish I had put Philip Rivers back in because uh, I did not like the outcome of that Alex Smith just did not look good overall in he general did not. It, it's so much checking down and the Chiefs are a team I guess I haven't watched personally a whole lot and I you know I kind of thought with the addition of Macklin and you know with how good Travis Kelsey has been that this you know they would have a little bit more of a downfield attack and it was just a lot of short passes you know pretty similar to what Denver's offense looked like honestly and obviously Peyton Manning can't throw down the field nearly as well as he used to yeah I um I follow the Chiefs a lot as the I'm the beat writer for that team now and uh and I, I, from what I heard in camp, they were uh, going downfield a bit more because of that addition of Macklin. They have some weapons that can go downfield. They didn't really have a lot last year. Dwayne Bowe isn't a huge downfield threat, but Macklin provides that a little bit. And but it haven't really it hasn't really translated into the regular season much as of yet. And I think part of it, a lot of it, has to do with Alex Smith. He doesn't like to throw downfield much, and he's kind of a guy that likes to protect the ball and. That's why you'll see a lot of checkdowns and a lot of a lot of Travis Kelsey because he's a kind of a safe a safety net for him. That's just uh, yeah. The Chiefs in general, I mean, offensively they they've always been run oriented, and that's probably going to stay the same when with the with Jamal Charles and Nile Davis being two good options out of the backfield. Just not uh, not a lot there. I mean, they have a lot a little better. It's still, I don't think they still don't think they have a wide receiver touchdown no I think in the first two weeks they, they no. didn't do it all last season and still that streak continues into this yeah i think kelsey season. kelsey had two in week one and i think did charles maybe have a receiving touchdown but no receiver has caught one yet um, i'm sure that if that streak goes through another full season then then even if we get to like week eight then maybe we can start talking about it but that's got that's got to be broken at some point so let's talk about uh we'll go position by position here and just talk about a few of the um, you know, maybe value plays, guys who might be a little bit overpriced, uh, you know, heading into week two on, on FanDuel here. And, you know, the difference between week one and week two is those week one values came out 
probably what close to a month before the start of the regular season so you had guys like Devonte adams who were close to minimally priced um you know just basically players weren't adjusted for injury because the prices are out so early and they're not allowed to change them this week we finally get some adjustments uh you know based on value I was a little bit surprised to see Aaron Rodgers is still the number one QB this week as far as price uh, going up against that Seattle defense. Yeah, I mean, Aaron Rodgers is a good quarterback regardless. Um, and now they, they just lost Brian Bulaga for the game from when I heard he's going to miss the game because of, a I believe, a sprained MCL or something like that. Um, they they do have a lot of targets. They're without Jordy Nelson, so that's a big guy to to lose, obviously. And uh, they still have Devontae Adams. They got James Jones, who was surprisingly good in week one. Um, but that Seattle defense is really good. They're going to be without Cam Chancellor, though, so that's, there's a, a, little, a little impact there. But, uh, yeah, I can still see Rodgers being pretty good, but I don't know if he's the number one quarterback in my mind, at, especially, being, especially at that price. If he's the highest-priced quarterback, I mean, you may chance him in some formats, but I, I, wouldn't, I don't think I'd take him as if, if he's the highest-priced quarterback on the board. Right, and there's a lot of talk that the Seattle defense isn't what it what it has been the last couple of years. You know, and that's just kind of inevitable when you're a good team. You know, guys start signing elsewhere for big money. You can't keep everybody. Obviously, the Chancellor situation is there, um, but they're still a really really good defense. So that's the thing. I mean, they're not they're maybe not the 2013 or even the 2014 edition, but you know, still probably a top five defense in the league. And, and that worries me a little bit. And they're a defense that's schemed really well against Green Bay and against Rodgers. Um, I, I think Green Bay's dropped the last three to Seattle. Uh, dating back the last few years so I mean that's definitely the game of the week I think there's there's no doubt about that I'm gonna be very interested to see how that turns out do you like Drew Brees going up against Tampa Bay I know he's he's the number one quarterback on our rotowire value meter this week um, I think people are expecting a, a pretty big bounce back from that Saints offense that looked pretty sluggish in week one against Arizona um, but I, I'm actually expecting a little bit of a bounce back from the Tampa Bay D that was carved up by Marcus Mariota in week one yeah um, I kind of like that game's going to be in a dome, and Saints are at home now, and I I, I think that that will benefit them. I I feel like I like I feel like I'd like Drew Brees in that matchup. Uh, the Buccaneers, I mean, there's always talk that they'll be a better team this year. It's just, I mean, offensively they were without Mike Evans in Week One, and I could see that I could see another high scoring game with it. I don't know. I, the Buccaneers have a decent defense, but I still think Drew Brees. He's got he 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 still has Brandon Cooks and. He's got, I mean, they did lose Jimmy Graham, so that was a big target that they've lost. And they, they may be a little different offensively, but I, th- I still think Drew Brees is a good quarterback. And I feel like, I don't know, I just don't trust a Buccaneers defense regardless. And, and generally you want to skew sometimes in daily towards teams that are at home and in a dome, and that is the case for the Saints. So, And they have a, generally a pretty powerful offense that's more pass-oriented. They do have some guys like, especially Mark Ingram he's a he's a big guy to use there um running but they uh I, I don't know I I just feel like they could definitely put up some points there I guess I'd I'd take an opposing view on that uh contest there all right fair enough fair enough so I mean you're looking at guys like Rodgers who's uh 9300 on FanDuel Drew Brees right up there at 8900 if you kind of want I don't want to say punt the quarterback position but if you want to pay low at quarterback and stock up on big name receivers or running backs you can still get Tyrod Taylor for 6300 uh, I think he was a minimal, minimally priced guy um, last week. He actually cost less than Matt Castle, you know, again, with these values being put out well before the start of week one. Uh, but heading into week two, he's still a low-priced guy, h- highly efficient in that week one win over the Colts, um, but only one touchdown, you know, a fairly low upside guy in my mind. Um, you know, I mean, is he a guy you'd consider in your contest this weekend? 
Yeah, I mean, he's definitely a risky place. You might want to go with him if you're if you're going to go with him, maybe like in a tournament or something. He he does provide um so he does run some, which is which gives you a lot of points on the ground, and that's I mean um. The Patriots' defense has been pretty good. The, the Colts' defense, I mean, I don't think it's very good overall. So I think that par- probably played partially into it. But uh, they are in, they are at home in Buffalo, so that might help a little bit. And they do have a very good defense. So if they could somehow keep Tom Brady off the field somewhat, I, I could see Tyrod having a decent game there. But uh, he's not gonna. I don't think he'll put up like huge points like some of the top tier quarterbacks, but. You could still get a decent week out of them, and considering the price, it might be worth a risk in some of those tournaments so you can get some of those bigger-name receivers and other positions if you want to spend some more money there. So even after a pretty disastrous week one against San Francisco, Adrian Peterson checks in as the number one running back at 9,000 for week two. Are you worried about his week one performance? or You can kind of look at it as you know the Vikings got killed on national TV on the road. Peterson was a non-factor in the game. I mean, you can look at it from a, you know, I'm worried. You can be worried about Peterson's value, I guess, just because of how little he was used. But it could also be, you know, here's what happens when we don't use this guy. So I think that's reason to think Minnesota is going to game plan to make him the focal point uh, in week two and probably going forward. Yeah, I mean, I could definitely see them. He, he should be used a lot in an off that that offense. I mean, they they I think they like Teddy Bridgewater, but you can see that. I mean, the, the 49ers are not supposed to like coming into the season. 49ers are viewed as one of the worst teams in the league and they completely dominated them on on uh monday night there and it it was kind of embarrassing i I just don't think you can continue i mean if you have adrian peterson on your team he's been one of the best back one of the best backs at least and if not the best back in the league for a long time and he hasn't really showed any signs of slowing down that much but you have to use him in order for him to produce and he'll break off some runs for you and that detroit defense Still, they did lose a few guys, but they did add Haloti and Gata up front, so it's it's a bit scary. I don't, I don't know if I'd. Uh, it's a tough decision there. They are again. That's another home in the dome thing, which is usually what you want to target. Um, it's a, I think it's going to be another risky play, especially at nine thousand for Adrian Peterson. I guess it depends on what you have in terms of what you see elsewhere across the board, but uh, I mean. It's a, he's, he's definitely a guy that can break off some runs, and there might be low ownership after that first week, uh, his poor performance in that first week and questions there. So it's a, it's a guy you could take a risk on if you want to. Yeah, I mean, he's been one of the biggest feast or famine type of guys over the last couple of years, so very similar to Calvin Johnson at the receiver position. You know, a guy that even, you know, could be three, four weeks in a row of low production, low targets, but you just have to keep him in that lineup because you never know when he's going to go off for three touchdowns and 150 yards. So, yeah, same kind of applies to Peterson there. Looking at more, uh, you know, more value plays, getting into some of the tier, you know, tier two, tier three, tier four running backs, a group of running backs all priced at 6,400, Amir Abdullah, TJ Yeldon, Melvin Gordon, Bishop Sankey, um, well, excuse me, Abdullah is 6,400. Yeldon, Gordon, and Sankey are 6,500. And then LeGarrette Blunt, who's back from his one-game suspension, is also at 6,400. Um, you know, that's five five names right there, five guys that, you know, three of them are, are you know, solid starters as, as far as Yeldon, Gordon, and Sankey. Abdullah and Blunt, you know, roles are still a little bit undefined with those two teams. Um, obviously, Abdullah looked really good in week one. Is there one of those, one or two, I guess, of those five guys who really stands out to you as a stronger play this weekend? Uh, I could see Chris Ivory doing pretty well. They are going against the Colts, and they showed last week that they weren't they weren't great defensively overall. And Ivory's been pretty much the workhorse for this for the Jets. Um, and 
I could see that being the case again. I mean, he should be there. He's their go-to back, and uh, I, he should touch the ball plenty of times. And he, he has the ability to catch the ball out of the backfield some, so that helps with the half PPR on FanDuel there. Right. Um, and I could see him scoring some touchdowns or a couple touchdowns against that defense. Yeah, yeah, I really think it's a strong play. Um, he's he's a little bit higher priced than those other guys I just mentioned. He's at 6,900. Yeah. Um, I don't really like TJ Yeldon going up against that Miami front seven at all um melvin gordon going up against cincinnati i think that's you know not the strongest play but not the worst play sankey against washington is very interesting he had a, a surprisingly productive week one i think in a lot of people's minds um and now with david cobb hurt you know it looks like the job is is really his at this point without any uh much abation there amir abdullah listed as the number two slash three running back going into week one i don't know if that was a smoke screen by detroit because i mean he looked by far the most dynamic out of out of that group of him joik bell and theo riddick and he ended up with more uh you know i think more snaps than than the other two combined and more touches than the other two combined as well so i'd be surprised if abdullah um you know doesn't continue that kind of production it's just a tough situation going into that when you know there are two other guys that they want to get on the field and it's just so hard to choose i mean he's a high upside player but i'd almost be tempted to stick with a guy like yeldon or gordon even in a battered even in a worse matchup um, just because you know they're guaranteed to get those number one running back touches. Yeah, I mean, the one thing that scares me about Gordon is that uh, Danny Woodhead vultured like two touchdowns from him last week, and they they put Woodhead in there during passing downs all the time. He's always there on third downs, and Gordon looked pretty good when he when he got on the field, but if, if they're going to use Woodhead as much as they did, it might be a little scary to use him. Um, with the regards to like Garrett Blunt, from what I read, I drafted him in a season-long league because from what I read, uh, he looked by far the best back out of the out of the, the stable they have there. And while the while New England definitely goes by committee somewhat there, they it's kind of chancy there. I would would be surprised if he's not like heavily featured in that offense this week. And it's a it's a game against the Bills though. It, I don't know if it's it's a risky play definitely because the Bills have a good front front seven there and uh it's it's a tough play to to do that in this week but uh sometimes if you're playing in tournaments you need to take a chance he's he's not going to catch a lot of passes though so he might be one to stay away from at least for this week but I could see in future weeks him having some value there because I think he'll be the the main back in that backfield there so moving to receivers a guy who you know flew up the price board here on FanDuel with the the second most points uh, at the receiver position in week one, trailing only Julio Jones, uh, excuse me, the third most points, tra- trailing only Julio Jones, Andrea Andre Hopkins, Keenan Allen, obviously a huge performance against Detroit uh, for San Diego in that week one victory. I mean, is he back? And we, we saw a great rookie season from him in 2013, uh, a so-so season last year. Um, you know, there's always reports of renewed commitment. You know, he's he's ready to become a star. I mean, are you believing that after week one, or it's still a little bit more cautious to pay up for him um, in that first tier of receivers? He sits at 8,200. He's he's a good he's a good receiver. Um, I, I like Philip Rivers having quarterback. He doesn't have a ton of targets right now. There's no Antonio Gates there, so I mean, he'll probably be he's that top target there. So he's going to be the one that's going to receive the majority of Philip Rivers targets and he's a good quarterback he's made uh he he makes receivers better in general and uh but I, I don't know I just uh I was never I didn't take him in any of my leagues because I just I didn't believe in him I I don't know if week one definitely changed my opinion a little bit on him 
I think he's he's definitely going to resurge. He's not going to have shouldn't have as bad of a year as he did last year. He shouldn't disappear as much. Um, but uh, I'm not 100 percent convinced at this point that he's going to be like a, still a top tier guy. I don't know if I'd pay up that much for him after just seeing one week of production after had, having seen what he did last year for the most part. So I already asked you about Aaron Rodgers. Does that Seattle defense scare you? Um, you know, with, with that matchup, we can basically apply that same logic to his receiving core. Randall Cobb is is priced up near the top at eighty two hundred, uh, so he's he's in the, he's number four, tied with number four, I guess, in, as far as salary with Keenan Allen. Devonte Adams still down low at sixty four hundred, despite leading the Packers in receiving. Obviously, no touchdowns in Week One, and James Jones even lower than him at fifty four hundred. I feel like they're trying to bait people into grabbing James Jones after that big week one. Yeah, I mean, I I actually traded away James Jones this week because I I he had high value after week one. Um, I had him and I packaged him with Des Bryant to get Mike Evans, and I was more than happy with that deal. I I don't think James Jones is going to continue to produce at the level he did. Obviously, that was a high level; you can't expect that anyway. But I just I don't see as much production out of him moving forward. He still has the ability to get a few touchdowns here and there because he just that's the type type of player and type of passes he's gonna receive is some of those red zone guys. He's good at making catches in traffic. Um but yeah, of those guys, I I guess it depends on where Richard Sherman lands. He's still the top possibly one of the top cornerbacks in the league. He's still one of the top cornerbacks and I would be scared to put a uh, use a receiver, especially if it's. I don't. I don't know if Randall Cobb would be that guy. I don't think he would be because he's not on the outside. He's he's more of a slot. Well, receiver. they've been working Sherman at the interior corner, the slot corner okay. spot as well this week. So I mean, I don't know if anybody's sure where he's going to line up. But even Cobb at eighty two hundred, I think is just too much. I think when you, when you can get, you know, for the same price, you can grab uh, DeAndre Hopkins for even a hundred dollars cheaper. DeAndre Hopkins, Calvin Johnson, AJ Green, Alshon Jeffrey, Mike Evans. I think those guys are just much better plays given the, the matchup for Cobb. Um, a couple other receivers I want to ask you about real quickly. Terrence Williams is down at 6,300, which I think is a pretty fair price for a guy who's going to be the number one receiver for the next few weeks with Des Bryant out. Yeah, I mean, Terrence Williams, he, he was pretty productive even with Des Bryant there. I mean, he is obviously not receiving nearly as much targets as Des Bryant would. or And I believe Witten was a big guy that, that Romo always liked to go to. But with with Des out, I mean, Terrence Williams should receive the the like majority of his targets that he had so i could see that becoming another um him be definitely moving up in production and at 6300 that's still a pretty good value like you said Devonte adams that's at 6400 and who knows i mean i don't think from what what you're saying it sounds like he might be trying to cover randall cobb but i just i don't know he might we'll end see. up on the outside I think, right There's i think it'll kind of be a dynamic thing fluid. where whoever you know whoever needs to be shut down will we'll have sherman on him um the last receiver i want to ask you about sammy watkins is he due for a big week after pretty much? I think he put up zero fantasy points across almost any format in week one. He could do pretty well. I mean, he does. I guess it depends on what you think of Tyrod Taylor. Uh, Tyrod isn't it? I mean, he didn't put up a ton of passing yards, I don't believe, last week. He I was don't under think, 200. I think he was like 189, 186, yeah. something like that. Yeah, so I mean, they do have LaShawn McCoy in the backfield there. They have some guys that they can go with. Um, it, and only if they get behind. They could uh, they could have to turn back to the pass, but uh, their defense is good enough that they might be able to keep them in the game. And with that, I don't know if they would rely specifically on the pass. I believe Percy Harvin probably had the best week of the receivers last week, and he should still be a part of that offense. And it's not like he's a Sammy Watkins isn't a standout clear number one like some of those other big guys. I mean, obviously he's he's not priced among the top 
the, some of the top guys there, but um, I just I, I don't know if I would trust Sammy Watkins enough considering the situation, other players around him, and who there's at quarterback that that he'll you can guarantee he's going to get a lot of targets or right. And there's not a ton to love about that matchup with New England either. So maybe a guy to look at in in weeks three and four. Uh, we'll quickly gloss over tight ends here. Jason Witten, uh, a guy we talked about, who's probably going to see some more targets, especially in the red zone with no Des Bryant. He's the number four priced tight end at six thousand this weekend. Uh, Richard Rodgers is at forty seven hundred, pretty low, uh, you know, for an Aaron Rodgers target. And Eric Ebron at forty eight hundred, I think, is a great deal. He had a touchdown for Matthew Stafford in Week One, and you know, he's the clear number one tight end at Detroit now. Defenses, we won't talk much about this. You know, there's there's not much variation as far as the pricing, but uh, a little insulted that the Miami Dolphins defense is ranked number one this week, given their matchup with Jacksonville. Well, I think it's pretty justified considering <laughs> uh, who they have on that defense there and uh, what the J- what the Jags really have it. going Don't offensively. I mean, you didn't you, you didn't like Yeldon yourself. <laughs> no, you no, 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 I know, I know. This Yeldon, is this so. is probably the least amount of Jags talk we've ever had on this podcast. So we'll cut it off right there um, before before we go down that rabbit hole. Um, Chris, thanks for joining me. I think we'll be doing this most Fridays going forward. We've had you know some scheduling conflicts with with football season starting and and guests kind of cycling in and out but i think you'll be the guy at least for the foreseeable future to join me on fridays so look out for that uh, as you keep listening to the podcast thank you for listening to the rotowire daily fantasy podcast we are presented by fanduel.com fanduel is the leader in one week fantasy football good luck in your tournaments and leagues this weekend and the fantasy football podcast will be back with you on monday Pace is a place with the helpful hardware folks at Ace, your backyard's right in our backyard, which means we have hand-picked products that are right for the birds in your neighborhood, like premium bird seed, suet, birdhouses, and feeders. Stop by your local Ace and get everything you need to attract the birds you want, including Ace Wild Bird Food, on sale now. Now through Tuesday only, when you buy two 20-pound bags of wild bird food, get a third bag free, only at Ace, the helpful place. Offer valid through February 28th at participating stores.